This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Thank you for listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please support the show by subscribing to and leaving a five-star rating for the show on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and any of your favorite podcast platforms. You can also support the show by going to our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, where there's always exciting articles by the BNG writing staff. While you're there, don't forget to click on the fanatics.com banner for a great sports fan shopping experience. Hey, are you done yet? We're going to start the show. Bobby Orr, behind the left, the center, and the Mark Allred here, host of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, alongside Heather Ingerson. Heather, what's happening? Nothing. What's up? Happy Sunday. Yeah, good. Good. It's football. It's yeah. not a football season, but for me, yeah. football season just dictates the countdown to hockey season. I'm not a football guy, but you obviously are, just by judging by what you're wearing. Folks can't see what's going on here, but Heather's a tremendously, tremendously big freaking uh, Buffalo Bills fan. Yep, that's right. Don't call me a bandwagon. Nope. And suffering through just like the city of Buffalo. But the difference is I have to live where the Patriots are always winning. It's very depressing. I'm never <laughs> going to win the division, whatever. Seriously, I was thinking that this morning. Any other division in football, we might have a chance making the playoffs every year in the middle, but not this year. But, yeah, so today's opening day. So for me, for football, it does make me happy because it's the only day that I truly have hope that I have a playoff berth. I just like betting on it, but we'll talk about that later. Yeah, later on. Definitely. Can't definitely. let it all out in the first two minutes. But we, uh, some, so a little, a little good news for us, and I want to bring it in now and early before I forget it later on. But Amesbury, Massachusetts, we are recording at Alliance Park again, beautiful Alliance Park, looking overlooking the Merrimack River, all these boats and everything. It's awesome here. But since we're here, we might as well shout out Amesbury because. This is a very exciting time for Heather and I, especially Heather as a parent of a young child that's in the youth um, hockey community and rising star, hopefully an NHL player sooner or later. <laughs> but the exciting news came out earlier this week that there's going to be groundbreaking on a new six-rink facility called the Maples Crossing um, 
facility. I don't know if it's called an arena, Colise, yeah. what you know what I'm saying? But for right now, we're getting six rinks. This is awesome. Yep. This is a huge step for this community. This community has not had a rink in its borders for over 40 years. The last one was, I don't, I, and I'm, I'm sorry, but the, the Hudon family and, and everybody else that was involved back in the day, but I don't remember, the, I think it was the Amesbury Skating Arena. I think that's what it was called. It was located behind Walls Ford up on 110 and, and whatever here in mm-hmm. Sal, Amesbury, Salisbury area. I know we're doing a podcast and you can't see me pointing everywhere, but. Google it. Google it. No, Maples Crossing. Um, Mike Gorman is the project manager from Global Properties, and he's a fantastic guy, and he's been in contact with me. We've been in contact with each other, and he invited me to the groundbreaking, so this is going to be exciting. Char- Governor Charlie Baker is going to be there. The mayor of Amesbury, uh, Mayor Gray, is going to be there. I believe Jim Kelkos is going to be there, state representative. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a big who-to-who, and, uh, and I know that uh, Mike uh, Gorman has also reached out to Boston Media. I know an email was sent to Joe Haggerty. Um, and so on. So we'll see what happens with that. But it's exciting news for this community and, and myself because, you know, definitely uh, need yeah. to uh, need to get the, the leg skating again. And I don't want to travel anymore. I don't want to see money that can be spent here for ice time being spent 11 miles away in Haverhill, Massachusetts. It should not be like that. It's coming back home, and I'm proud. Okay. So as a youth hockey parent uh, that's been around this league a long time and also just my friends play growing up just whatever having rinks here like we have been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting patiently for this to happen I cannot be more happy it's called Maple's Crossing I was like oh yeah yeah, baby that's what I'm talking about like it's really real it has a name like I was saying about Seattle like it's happening and I look forward to the 26th, and I've already had one son go through youth hockey, and it's been a rough, like a lot of youth hockey programs can attest, it's a rough run sometimes. But part of that rough run is access. Like, And this isn't just going to benefit our town. It's going to benefit the skaters in the surrounding area in Greater Amesbury. Right now we have one rink that's the closest to us, and it's definitely like a 70s busted down rink. Not their fault. Like you just, whatever, you yeah. need money and things. Not even a full 200. So to, it's good for everyone that this is happening. It's good for our businesses. And anybody out there who might be in the area whose kid might end up doing a tournament here, please go downtown and support our downtown businesses, yeah. too. This town is awesome, and this is an awesome hockey town. The bars town. and pubs, the restaurants, and the, it's unbelievable. The rejuvenation of Amesbury hockey, baby. And like you said, you know, do you know how happy that I'll be to take a five-minute drive even if you're running late, you can still have time to get ready. Best thing for me is I work two miles. I work two miles located right next to this place, so I'm I can literally walk to this facility. It's unbelievable. So um, I'm so excited. I can't even words can't describe the the emotional the thing for this community when this news broke um, from the New Report News. I uh, Jim Sullivan, I think he wrote he wrote the article uh, on the New Report Daily News. I'm sorry, I got to quote that correctly. But um, uh, and he came out saying that the uh, it's going to be named Maples Crossing to bring it back to the history of this town. I mean, this there was a semi-professional team here that uh, Charles, um, I'm sorry, Armand Hudon and um, somebody else. I don't, I'm not going to remember, but uh, they started the uh, Jutras, Mickey Jutras. They started the Maples organization back in 1924, and that organization went on for many years, and it was. 
the Maples were well known um, in the United States as one of the best semi-pro amateur teams in, in its country. So mm -hmm. that's, that's a hell of an honor and what should be honored more. Uh, I, I believe this community needs a, a shrine in the United States Hockey Hall of Fame. Um, uh, but we'll talk about I think that so later. Too. And the Maples, in some form, existed into the 1990s. Like it might no, not have still been a, the semi-pro, no, but believe like in the, the tradition in the late of the 60s, hockey. Yeah. The late 60s, the affiliation of a semi-pro kind of went down. Mm -hmm. It was more or less a traveling beer league. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But it's it the the it, they lived on. They yeah, kept the that, name going. Yeah, exactly. But affiliations went away later on in in time. But, I just um, meant they were still a big deal, like yeah. in. Oh, yeah. Like New England hockey, you know, oh, yeah. for a long time. Absolutely. Players. I mean, outdoor rinks used to draw a couple thousand people. It yeah. Was, it was amazing. I mean. It's going to be some awesome. People, some people brought their kids in the old Chevrolet to a movie around here. They packed it up on Saturday night and went to the, uh, the down to the rink at the Amesbury Skating Arena down um but anyway, but anyway, it, it, it's just awesome. This is great news. Maybe um, we'll do a short segment at the groundbreaking. I'd like to. I'd love to. I'd like to talk to some people. We'll interview, hopefully, Charlie Baker and so on. So it, it depends on what, what goes on. So, But anyway, let's get back to some Bruins uh, hockey talk. Um, we are going to start with the... We came out... We didn't break the news. We were just... We don't break news here. We're just kind of people that nitpick out of the internet and take what's, what, what's worth and what's not and what people are talking about. So... Last week we talked about David Backus and his potential injury that was going to put him on long-term IR if a doctor signed off on it and blah, blah, blah. And then would have all this cap relief to sign McAvoy and Carlo. Well, comes out, his agent says, he's fine. He, uh, I'm sorry, Matt Kalman at WEEI wrote an article about the agent saying that he's fine. He's going to be at training camp, on time, no issues. Was seen at captain's practice this week, so among others, but we'll talk about that later on. But is what is all? Is this just like drawn up stuff to get clicks and 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 and? Or I is think this it's just, part that and part hoping David Backus's cap won't be there. Which, like I said, it's not that ridiculous of a cap. Like everyone, I get what people are saying, especially because of the contracts. But I think I said last week. I think uh, we would know if he would be going on long term. Like I, know. I just that doesn't seem like. That's not information that could get out on some level. And we talked about it last week, that that's the type of information that comes at your exit meetings. Mm -hmm. It's like, how are you feeling? Oh, dude, I'm yeah. going to have surgery on my back. Well, yeah. you know. Yeah, well, I mean, it also could just be, you know, I don't know if it's just clickbait rumor or whatever. Get people, like we talked about, it's a little slow going season. on. But I also <laughs> feel like that's a big rumor that, like, it had to have come from somewhere, too, because that's kind of a... Giants rumors. I know not. we talked. We talked about him going back to Minnesota for the summer, but previous seasons as a Bruin, yeah, he was always in Boston working out. That kind of could have triggered something, but yeah. But like I is. said, I mean, he also could have just maybe wanted to go to Minnesota for the summer because he's been uh, playing hockey for a play while. Got to play that angle too. Hasn't really. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like as a human being, sometimes you need a break and yeah. just like you know what. See you in September, <laughs> whatever. And uh, we did. We saw him in September. He was there. Uh, captain's practice. Boys are back in town, baby. Loving Woo! it, loving it. I, I'm, this is great. I mean, there were, um, I, I want to say the number was 13 members of the current yeah. st um, uh, players, you know, contracts that were there. They were working out. Was it? And it's, by uh, it's just optional. Yeah, it's like yeah. just so people aren't like, oh, people. Didn't. It's not about people. It is an optional up. skate. Yeah. 
Like it was awesome, great to see. Uh, no, I didn't see Brandon Carlo and Charlie McAvoy there. I don't. They're not allowed to be on the ice, though. I don't think because they're not signed. But it's the captain's practice. I know, but still, they're on Bruins' facility. They're on, you know what I mean? There could be legal reasons okay. that they, no, you know, I, like when I Tom, didn't even think about remember when Tom Brady like got that. suspended for the ball, we're not going to talk about, the, you know, but right. he couldn't even be at, like, he could be at his office at TB12 across the plaza, but he wasn't allowed to be actually on the, pra like, you know what I mean, That's with weird. the teammates. So, I don't know, it could be a situation like that where they're not signed, that they're not even allowed to not just play, but not show right. up to practice either until it is resolved. That is annoying. No, it doesn't matter because freaking training camps last next week. Anyway, yeah, that's so what I mean. So hopefully they get signed by then. But yeah, that's all. no, but a good a chunk of people showed up to town. Yes, starting to get yes. the gang back together. And and one member that was a gang member and a, and a valued one. I'm not going to trash him anymore. I'm done with it. You know what I mean? But um, Adam McQuaid was seen at the ice and pandemonium. Pandemonium <laughs> on the internet. Adam McQuaid back in Boston means he's coming back. Does not mean shit. I mean, the, these rumors were, and, and it was told to me this morning on Twitter on a, on a private message mm -hmm. that Keith Yandel is from Boston and he came and did the captain's practice and there was rumors stirred up about that too. I remember that. Yeah. They're like, oh, he's here. It's a secret signing. No, it's a, <laughs> hey, I'm in town still. Oh, like, look at buddies I know. Yeah. Like you think they don't you think it'd be weird if Adam McQuaid was in town and couldn't go hang out with his buddies yeah. for a little bit like that? All decked out in Columbus Blue Jackets gear. And every That's perfect. yeah, and everyone else has been training with everyone else all summer and having fun and going home and doing whatever. So whatever, Adam McQuaid was around and Z was like, hey, come on. <laughs> but let, um, during the We're week, not getting Adam McQuaid back. Everyone, calm down. Right, it's fine. You know, the salary cap dictates. That's a hell no. Yeah. A big hell no. And his injury history, which I'm going to bring up. I don't like bringing it up, but it is a problem. Uh, he didn't play much for in the playoffs with, with uh, Columbus last season. So, you know, it's just back off. But anyway, I get the fandom and so on. You know, he's a man rocket, whatever you want to call him, blah, blah, blah. You know, whatever. Man rockets. There's more important things to be done here. So, yeah. Um, but, and, and then... Last week, you see him on the ice, and then all of a sudden, oh, the, now the rumors are a PTO were given to him and signed. I'm not going to say the source, because I'm not going to get yeah. into a podcast Maybe, I don't know. Battle. I'm just saying, like, yeah. I, you know how I feel, that Adam McQuaid, I love and respect him for what he and did I, for us. I also think him and Kevin Miller are the same player, so I'd rather have a sometimes hurt one of them playing then and none of them playing. And I get it, too. The guy knows the system, mm. knows the room, well-liked. I mean, the pieces all fit together, but it's. I think it's just more or less like it's just stirred up because of the McAvoy and Carlo not going, the injuries of Miller and, and, uh, more. and more. So it's like... Oh, we'll talk about the defense later. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I'm in. I'm not. I'm not interested in having him. Yeah, him no. Back. Everyone, calm down. Adam McQuaid just hang out, hung out with his buddies for a little bit. He's like, oh, this is the new place. I love the new digs or whatever, you know. But anyway, uh, moving forward to that, um, yeah, we'll I'll talk about the prospects challenge. Um, I had a fantastic, fantastic. Well, not so fantastic. It was started off fantastic, and then it went to absolute crap. But uh, I talked to Bruins Network. Anthony Kwiatkowski, 
Uh, he's at Bruins Network on Twitter. Fantastic follow. Guy knows his prospects. Seriously. He's got great video insight and everything. I'm pumping his tires. But fantastic. We got to Trent Frederick and then the audio cut out. We had 45 more minutes of prospect gold with this guy. And he was in Buffalo covering the prospect challenge. Did it in this hotel room and everything. And that's the worst part. And it's like, I wanted to scrap the whole thing. But I'm like, no, this guy gave me time. I got to put something out there. Yeah. So we got 26 minutes. We got up to um, uh, Trent Frederick. We were gonna, and we were just going to get on Jacob Lauko and, and Shen and Steen and Studnika. And then those damn audio problems. But anyway, Prospect Challenge. Uh, actually, Rookie Camp started on Thursday, um, September 5th. And it was a one-day camp, and then, well, camp kind of slash prospect challenge. So the Bruins go to Buffalo. They played the Pittsburgh Penguins on Friday night. Let me get my notes here, which I'm totally unprepared for because, um, and, uh, yeah. So on Friday night at the Harbor Center in Buffalo, New York, uh, Anders Bjork with the game winner on the power play with 1.9 seconds left to go. Uh, Bees take down the Penguins 4-3 to in Game 1 of the Prospects Challenge. Uh, other scorers on Friday night's uh, win over the Pens were uh, Jakob Lauko, Jack Sidnika, and Scott Conway. Scott Conway, I believe, is on an AHL deal. I'm not totally sure about that one, but a goaltender, Kyle Kaiser, made 24 saves. Anders Bjork ha- had this to say at his post-game presser, audio courtesy of the official Boston Brewers Twitter account. I'm definitely glad to be here just because uh, I haven't played games in so long and you know going right into NHL preseason games is a, is, a, is a jump after eight or nine months off so you know I think uh, I'm fortunate to have this opportunity you know it's kind of a little bit different style of hockey out here because it's guys who've never played with each other at all you know and um, guys are high energy coming off summer and stuff like that and trying to make their mark so you know it can get messy at times a little different but uh you know, it's still hockey and it's definitely good conditioning-wise. And, um, you know, you can see kind of what's in your arsenal a little bit and, uh, you know, what you need to work on. So, yeah, uh, I mean, I think it was good. Guys are really tired, so I don't think we really wanted to play overtime that badly. So it's good that we put it in there. But, um, you know, I think it started just with – it was a the shift by all the guys. It was like – Four guys had reels, kept the puck in, and then Studs made a great play to me there, and um, I just, you know, kind of took it a bit to the middle. I think he went off my skate and just tried to fire it on that. I knew the time was kind of running out, but uh, yeah, I think that was something that I thought was really good by the guys was everyone was battling hard. You could tell they really wanted to win. They weren't just trying to score, which is pretty cool. So. Yeah, so that was a really, really good game uh, on Friday night. But then it came into, uh, on Saturday, game two at the Prospects Challenge in Buffalo, New York, uh, against the host, Buffalo Sabres. Uh, the Bruins Prospects lost 4-3. to Oscar Steen scored two goals. Samuel Asleen adds another. And Dan Levera made 24 stops in net. You know what? I was talking to Bruins Network on that, on that bonus pod, mm-hmm. and he was saying Vladesh. So I guess in Czech Republic the R is actually S. Oh really? So I've been saying it wrong. Well, let the whole me write time. it down next to his name. Yeah, so, so it's Vladesh. Vladesh. Good but, to yeah, know. it's just weird, weird Czech name. But um, anyway, uh, where was I? Yeah, on Saturday night the host Buffalo Sabres 
Uh, Oscar Steen got two goals. Samuel Esseline adds another. At, damn, oh, I already wrote that. Oscar Steen had, his, had this to say at his post-game presser, audio courtesy of the official Boston Bruins Twitter account. Uh, I like both of them, but uh, I have played like center uh, all my life, so I think that's my best spot. I think I played better today than yesterday, and it's uh, it's a bit different between the small rings and the big rings, so I have to get used to it and uh, get better here. You don't have so much time, it's it's more playing north and south, you don't get packed back home and you just go forward all the time. Do you like that? Yeah, I like it, but uh, I just have to get used to it and uh, be better at it, and I'm looking forward to play here. Uh, it was a huge season for me last year. I had a really big breakout, so this was a key for my confidence. And I feel much better now than two years ago when I was here. So I feel much, much more confident now than though. So yeah, uh, Oscar Steen, man, he's he's really, really showing a lot of people, even in these small tournaments and. Uh, camps and development camps and, and future tra- NHL training camps that uh, he's he's going to be uh, somebody to watch. Mm-hmm. He's, he's a little on the short side. He's got time to build up muscle and so on, but his speed is just something you can't deny. Yeah. So, we have a lot of good skaters. That, yeah. I mean, obviously some of them have aged out, so they're not at this challenge per se or whatever, but like we have some pretty solid skaters down there. So um, the, the NHL Bruins will close, sorry, the Boston Bruins prospects uh, we'll close the uh, Prospects Challenge on Monday morning against the New Jersey Devils. And then they'll come back to Boston and then do their, their uh, training camp, which starts uh, next week, we, we've mentioned. And then after that, those, those players will get filtered down to the Providence camp, and then blah, 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 we'll go from there. So uh, a lot of good things uh, to, to see. Um, unfortunately, I did not see Friday night's game. It was not streamed, not happy about that. Uh, Bruins got to get on that, man. But anyway, Saturday night's game was streamed per the Buffalo um, uh, official website. So thank you to the Buffalo Sabres for that awesome um, bit of viewing. So, yeah, that's it for the Prospect Challenge. Sharing with the rest of the world what only you and Buffalo know what's going on. I know, right? Yeah. No, well, it's good. They're off and running. Get the young kids out there, see what they can do. Because I also like seeing them all together at different times or who may be coming in and out of that kind of core. Anybody, all together. Anybody you're interested in learning a bit about? Um, I, well, I really love Anders Bjork. Like, you know what I mean? Some people really love Trent Frederick. I love Anders Bjork. I'm just sitting around waiting for him to season up and work his way up in the ranks or whatever. Um, but I'm all about looking at the defenseman because I always worry about defense. <laughs> and I don't know who my next goaltender is after Tuca, you know, at some point. Right. He's either going to be here till he retires. I'll tell you right now. Kyle Kaiser. Yeah, well, you keep telling me different people over the last five or six years, and that's great. Because hey, the that's, young ones that's the benefit of the eye test. It's like, oh, you get, get high on somebody when you see numbers, but when you actually see them, it's... <gasps> yeah. Um, I don't really... I'm not sure with Wiley Sherman how I feel about him yet so it's nice to see if I can see a little footage of him once everything's said and done big kid went to Harvard he's got speed Mm. um and those mini drills that they do when you when they when they put the uh divider in the middle Mm -hmm. and you have to it's not crossovers it's just it's just build up speed when you're just standing there and and yeah like jogging in place right but he he moves so he's got a lot of power in his legs and he's, he's a, 
he's not offensive at all. Shutdown guy. I don't I don't really know about his shot. I really haven't seen him shoot much. Yeah. I mean, I know he's got a goal and so on. But. Well, I just mean as we're trying to re-sign McAvoy and Carlo, are we going to re-sign Torque? Whatever, like trying to figure out the defense in the next few years. Your hoe would at. be that guy. Your hoe yeah. back and I Well, I know. I'm, I'm all in on him. Right. I'm, again, another one. I'm just waiting to season up and come up. But there's, I don't know, there's a few of them. I do, like... Axel Anderson, I've been looking at him, trying to decide, you know, because again, it's like it's not about if you like them or not. Eventually, like we've talked about, you have to decide who's going to stay in your system yep. and not stay in your system. Exactly. If you have to f- get that right winger, you Anderson, might have to give up some Anderson, people. I'm hearing rumors that he's going to go to Moncton Wildcats of the uh, Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, and there's also rumors that he might want to go back home. So. That, that remains to be seen. They're all young. But, yeah, I don't know. We have a lot of forwards. The problem is we have a lot more space for them to play in this prospect channels, but not a lot of space to see how they can maybe plug into the lineup. You know, I mean, I don't think any of them are going to oust anybody that's already there, I obviously. don't think so. I just, I, 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 I don't know. Like I said, and I always say I'm a trendy kind of guy. So I see things, and I just see the Bruins playing a lot more contracted players now. Yeah. And then maybe next year and the year after, you're going to see more of an influx of younger prospects coming in because you could have roster availability. Yeah, there's you know what space I mean? on the roster. There's the yeah. Seattle thing happening. I you might just, draft more. There could be deadline trades. You know, you might acquire a guy for a two-year contract like we did with Coyle at the trade deadline. That works out perfect. So, no, I mean, some of them will be threading in over the next few years. Absolutely. because we definitely It's going to be awesome to see. Coming up for a couple of years of UFRAs or whatever. I don't know. Everybody has a different. They're either UF or I don't know. Or restricted. Yeah, I just don't know who's who off the top of my head right now. I don't want to do that much thinking to see yeah. if I can recall it. Yeah, no, I mean, it's just, I also think it's good to see the young kids because eventually, like, they, are they, you know, we every now and then we have seven or eight of them come up as a crew. That happened, I mean, that yeah. group helped us win a cup the Injuries. last time that happened. Injuries happened. Yeah. I, I can guarantee you when I first saw Brad Marshall and I never thought he'd be a 100-point player. But I'm glad he is right on him because there. I also think this is the time for the young kids to shine because you know your problem. Like, um, who was, who's your guy? Uh, Zach Sennishin. Yeah, when he was on uh, Bruin, was was it uh, Pod Skate? What was that? The skate pod, I think. Oh, oh, Whatever. Maria's, had it, Maria's morning skate. I don't know which. I don't know what interview it was. Fantastic, I can't remember. But whichever podcast, interview I was listening to. But anyways, he was saying like he thinks he's ready to make the team, but he also understands he's probably not going to make the team. So what he's focused on is getting better. Like be ready for when it is your time. So when you can shine, maybe you get plugged in an injury, or whatever, or you actually at training camp are going to be impressive enough that they decide, hey, you know what, kid. Yeah, Maybe we confidence. will make you our 22. You know what I mean? He's got so, the confidence. So um, that's what I like seeing the kids in this time. I mean, I, you are way into the prospects. Yeah, I just I, I just know like a lot of people it. too. Sometimes from like co- just watching like college hockey a lot and stuff. So I, yep. I get to see some of them. We're definitely gonna have to go watch okay. like Jeremy Swayman when he comes down to play Merrimack. Yeah, we're That'd so close awesome. to so many. Arenas. I know. It's I know. Awesome. It's like, wow, I love where I live. Um, um, oh yeah. Well, we got a couple of minutes before we come up Sorry. to a break, so uh, might, we might as well touch on um, what else did I have? I don't know. Totally forgot. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff going on on this. Oh, it, we might as well just go right into the. We'll continue to the, talk about the prospects challenge. Okay. Um, but the the roster and 
by the way, check out uh, Kerry Sales' article, blackandgoldhockey.com, on the Prospect Challenge because she worked on a fantastic piece that um, she built up. And then when they released the roster, she did the roster and then released the article immediately. It was great timing. We didn't have to wait for anything. It was awesome. So, um, that was a hawk. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the, um, the forwards that were in attendance at this prospect challenge. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that's the, what I was thinking, Rob. Oh, that's a great sound, man. Uh, the forwards that were at the Prospect Challenge were uh, Samuel Esseline, Anders Bjork, Scott Conway, Trent Frederick, Jacob Goucher, uh, Camp Invite, Danton <laughs> Hanainu, I, I can't even say his name, but it sounds like Danton Heinen, Cameron Hughes, Una Companion, uh, Robert Lantosi, Jakob Lauko, Tom Mar- Martian, and I think um, our Mike Craddy wrote an article about him. Pavel Shen, Oscar Steen, Jack Sudnika, and Alex Olivier Voyer. Uh, defenseman, Alex Anderson. Camp invite, Max Martin. Camp invite, Riley McCourt. Camp invite, Andrew Parrott. Camp invite, Jordan Sandberg. Uh, Wiley Sherman. Alexei Zolovyev. Uh, wow, I just... Zolovyev. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hacked that one. Yerho Vakaninen and Cooper Zek. Goaltenders were Taylor Gauthier. Uh, camp invite Kyle Kaiser and Dan Vladar. So Vladesh. that ate up. Badesh. Badesh. That's right. I actually did. I asked him in the locker room at the uh, Warrior Ice Arena. And I, I said that because I went on to um, uh, EliteProspects.com. And if you, if you pay $9 to get on there, you get a ton of stuff that you can do. It's an amazing prospects website. But uh, you can actually hear the pronunciation and I said that, but I only thought that that was in in Czech Republic. In the uh, over yeah. here, I thought it was called Vladar. Yeah. Well, I would like to also say I think it's Jacob Gosher. Okay. Not sorry, Gosher, but I don't know. That's what we have. I'm to terrible find out. with So names. let us know, Jacob. How do you say that name? Because I <laughs> is it French? Is it like a German Could name? Be. We're trying Could to be. figure out how to say it. Yeah. So. Yep. But anyway, listen. We're gonna take a break. But I had an amazing. Amazing conversation with a special woman that calls 98.5 all the time. And WEEI is very involved in Boston Bruins talk, radio, and and she's just a really tremendously wonderful person. She had time on Friday, on Thursday night this past week to sit down, well, not sit down with me, but jump on to uh, a call. And, uh, and talk about the state of the Bruins from her opinion. And that's Maria from Watertown. Maria! Yeah, so I was, I was really excited to have her on. Um, and we're going we're gonna to go right from the break and the commercial right into the interview. And then we'll, we'll be right back after that. So uh, stay tuned. I, yeah. No, I was just going to say, it's a big deal, Maria from Watertown. So I'm happy that we get to share her with people who might not live in Metro Boston and listen to it. But our Bruins fans, it's a big event. Like, I will be in the other room and I hear, Maria from Watertown's <laughs> on the radio. And I'll be like, do, 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 do. And I don't always agree with her. Sometimes I'm like, don't you say Tori Krug. <laughs> but 
She's so knowledgeable. So that's the fun she's thing awesome, about and it. I'm so excited that you got to talk to her. No, so and she awesome. and, and I want to get us all together sometime yeah. I love in Marie, a conference you know call, that. and then we'll do it. We'll do this again. So it becomes like, do you know what Maria from Watertown said the other yeah. day? Like, what do you think about this? It was funny when it was funny when I was ready. You're like froze with excitement when you were talking about Maria. So anyway, <laughs> we'll be back. We'll be back. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that, and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Nick Bukestad. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! David Backus. And Zach Parisi were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! I have a special treat for Black and Gold Hockey listeners. Uh, Maria from Watertown is joining me on the line right now, and she is um, New England famous for calling 98.5 The Sports Hub on the regular and WEI, uh, the skate pod with Matt Kalman and, and those guys. So, Maria, thank you very much for the time tonight. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. I am uh, very flattered to, uh, to get the invitation. I love talking hockey. Yeah, and, and one of the reasons why I, 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 I it just caught my eye was uh, a recent tweet about uh, some contract talks and, and maybe a little displeasure with how Don Sweeney is operating this whole RFA kind of uh, hoopla uh, coming down the stretch here to um, training camp. And we're only uh, a mere, I think, week away. And what's really troubling to me, other than the lack of um, any conversation regarding the status of McAvoy and Carlo is the fact that neither one of these young men was um, at the recent captain's practices. Now, I don't know, you know, if, if you read too much into that or you shouldn't read much into it, but to me, that's a bit of a troubling sign. And the, the quietness on Causeway Street also has me um, very worried, and I'm not sure, you know, what the Bruins organization is is doing in terms of trying to prioritize um, how to sign these guys or when they're going to sign these guys. But the reality is, they simply don't have enough cash to do it. But they're not doing anything, to my knowledge, about making the cash available. I.e. Um, trying to figure out what you're going to do with David Backus, if you can do anything with David Backus. Are you going to do anything with Kevin Miller's contract or, you know, any of these other guys that you've got on the books? So, um, you know, to me, these are two key components, Carlo and McAvoy, for the future of your organization. Absolutely. And, and the cornerstone of, a, of the defense and, and it starts now and, and, and getting these guys locked down is the priority in my opinion. Um, so I, I, I talked about it on a Buffalo Sabres podcast a little while ago, but, um, and, and I raved about Danton Heinen and saying that um, he could have a breakout year when they asked me about my, my pick. And it kind of made me think about 
was that a priority also? And that could that have been 2.5 or whatever million dollars that could have gone to a Carlo and McAvoy type of deal. Um, so I'm not overly impressed with, with, and I'm not saying that I'm angry and mad at what the management has been doing, but it's some of these signings, like the Brad Ritchie's, the Parlin Holmes coming in at a million dollars, just seems like that's cap that could have been used elsewhere while you could have gone to your development um, system in Providence and kind of filled those holes there. I don't know. Does any of that kind of make sense at all? No, it doesn't. And I, and I think what's one of the things that is coming home to, to roost with regard to Charlie McAvoy and maybe the Bruins brass didn't think that they would find themselves in this situation was burning that first year of his eligibility when they brought him up to play some playoff games. And, you know, maybe they thought that they wouldn't have this difficult to cap situation. You know, all we keep hearing year after year is, you know, the NHL cap is going to go up, the NHL cap is going to go up, but it never really does go up to the, to the point of making that increase commensurate with what these players are now signing for. And so there might have been some miscalculation along the way, but you knew potentially what that miscalculation was, and so you should have been making adjustments for that. And maybe I'm oversimplifying it and I'm, you know, I didn't go to Harvard like Mr. Sweeney did, but, um, you know, it, it seems to me if you know what your core group is going to be and then you make predeterminations about what you want the future of your core group to be, then those players should be your priority. I don't consider Danton Heinen a future core player on this team. I know he does some things that don't come out on the score sheet, but you know, Danton Heinen to me is one of those guys that I would put in my Jag category, just another guy. Yep. And no, I think absolutely. you could have used that money elsewhere. Totally agree. And, and like the Brett Ritchie money, the pilot home, I know that the, these guys are being brought in at a, at a low cap hit, but for, for that internal competition, they want to get these guys working, but, uh, it, that's still available funds that should have gone to other areas of importance. But um, wh what are your thoughts on how this team is going to come out after going so far into June uh, in Stanley Cup Finals? And and with that, the 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 start of another season of injuries, uh, which we just cannot get away from. Well, I think – Given, given the fact that they went seven games into the Stanley Cup Finals and the intensity at which those games are played and all those additional games, I, I can't imagine that everyone is back at 100% healthy and, and ready to go. And I, I think there's going to be a little bit of, of a slow, maybe sluggish start. I, I'll be pleasantly surprised if that doesn't happen, but, you know, it seems to me that just, just in terms of your recovery time from playing that late into June to now you're already back on the ice, even though it's captain's practices. And these, some of these guys have spent some time healing up from injuries and they're just getting back into the gym. I'm not quite convinced that they're going to be ready, ready, ready to roll. 
at, at full throttle. Um, you know, in terms of what I'm going to see on the ice, I really, really, really hope that we've got that second line shored up before the season starts. You know, either, you know, poop or get off the pot. Exactly. Put Pasternak on that line and figure out who you're going to have play with Marchand and Bergeron because honestly, anyone should be able to play with those two guys and resolve that issue before you start another season of this, well, let's let's play Pasternak here for a little bit and then let's move him to Krejci's line and let, let's get that straightened out once yeah, and should, for all. It should definitely not be situational changes it should be let's try to get some chemistry and and create a second line threat I mean, we we know the guys well at least they can on a power play but hopefully the five on five situation gets gets shored up this year but these guys on the front namely Bergeron and Marchand and Pasternak they can all put the puck in the net we need that secondary scoring as well yeah I I, I wholeheartedly agree with you and and I think it's time at this point you know, if, if, if you're committed, which it seems the Bruins are, to, to David Krejci, and I know there, there have been conversations, not just this year, but in previous years, about trading Krejci, but it seems like the organization is committed to keeping him at a Boston Bruin, then let's, let's, get, him, let's get him a winger yeah. that he's, he's going to gel with that is just a consistent stand by for him and not this, you know, revolving door of, of, you know, wingers and let's move this guy up and let's move this guy down. Um, it's just, you know, I think it's been one of the things that I know I've criticized Don Sweeney for, for the last two years um, that we haven't resolved this issue for David Krejci in that second line. And I think to me, I think that's a valid criticism of Don Sweeney and not having um, taken care of that. All right, we're talking to Maria from Watertown on the Black Gold Hockey Podcast. This is being recorded on Thursday night, um, September 4th, I believe. No, it's the 5th, isn't it? Yes, it is the 5th. So um, thank you again, Maria, for your time. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, moving forward, uh, let's talk about and, and the, uh, the, the polarizing uh, man in town is is Tuka Rask, and <laughs> yeah, I'm a huge Tuka fan, and always will be. And and you know, I just I'm I'm happy we have that stability in that, and whether others call it stability or not, I mean he's that's what you build on. So there's two seasons left of him. Um, how, how would you manage his ice time uh, moving into the the start of the campaign? Because he hasn't always come out in the past few years hot or ready or um or let's just say uh training camp shape um and but then opens up in late late november early december and then gets it really going um uh, should that be managed differently with halak on his last year and, and kind of approve me deal or do you have other plans for halak in this whole goaltending scenario well you know i i wouldn't I wouldn't mess with what they did last season because honestly it, it, it worked and Tuca was as good, if not as, as the best that I've seen him play during this playoff run. 
and I know he's, he's an easy mark and an easy target for criticism um, in, this, in this market. And um, I think it, managing the minutes and the manner in which they did this past season kept Tuca fresh and ready to just play all those games and, and, and give, his give his team chances to win. I mean, let, let's face it. You know, we hear, we hear the phrase, you know, he's got to, your goalie's got to steal you a game. Well, this, this, guy, this guy kept them in games, particularly in that Toronto series, yeah, right. especially in that Toronto series. He stole months coming down from January down to like June. That's months that he stole because he was just unreal in that time frame. Uh, yeah. One of the best uh, goaltending performances I've seen from regular season, mid-form, mid going right into the, the end of the Stanley Cup Finals. So. And honestly, I never, I never think that it's a bad thing for, you know, one of your star players to have another guy potentially looking over his or her shoulder. Oh, yes. As particularly if they're playing well. Yes. I absolutely agree. And, and it, even if, if Tukud goes through a, a game or two that he just doesn't look comfortable, and then, you know, do the one-on-one off for the beginning of the year, try to feel th things out. And if, if you, in my opinion, you play the hot goaltender and not the guy that is got the highest paycheck. Right, right. And I don't think Bruce Cassidy, if, if what he showed us last year continues into this season, I don't think he's afraid to do that. Um, is, is to ride your hot hand because you know what? Every point in the NHL counts. Every point counts. And it's a big determiner of, you know, where you are in the playoff standings and whether or not you're going to have home ice. Absolutely. And one more question before we end. Um, if this team is coming down to they're, they're almost there. They're almost going to make the playoffs and they need to make a deal. Is it, is, it, is it do what we did last time and just make a small, you know, lateral movement and, and, and roll the dice or, or go for it? Because of the window that I've heard you preach many, many times on major uh, radio stations here in Boston, is this the window that we need to do? Is it win now or do we have a year or two to try to get this tightened up? Well, I'm a, I'm a win now person. And the, you know, again, those windows are closing quickly. You know, you, you've got an, a, definitely an aging Chara. Um, Patrice Bergeron is another year older and, and that poor kid gets, you know, seems to get dinged up after, you know, every season during the season. And, and maybe it's just my, you know, my kind of, admiration of him as a player and as a person and, and a young man, I would love nothing better than to see him raise another Stanley Cup before he ends his career. And so to, to me, out of, you know, a courtesy to him and a loyalty to him, I say you go for it. If you have the opportunity to land yourself that, you know, one or two pieces that you think is going to give you that ability to, to win now, then I say you win now. Because, you know, I think that gives you a lot of street cred, too, with your fan base. If you have to go through um, a bit of a rebuild within, you know, two to three or four years. Absolutely. 
fan confidence is it goes a long way when you uh, I, I sometimes i wonder if if you know if if don's shy on the whole pulling the trigger thing because of what has happened in the past i think the past on this team when they gave up on so many so many players that are just and, and kim neely said it you know sprinkling talent all over the league but you know, everywhere else in boston but um you know, it remains to be seen what goes on but yeah, they may still have some PTSD from uh, the Peter Shirelli days, but. <laughs> exactly. No kidding. Maria, thank you so much for the time. Um, and and this is awesome because you've been a, a voice for a couple of years now. I don't know how long you've been doing it, but it's been a pleasure to hear you on Saturday mornings and on the podcast. And, and to have you on my show is just, it's it's like the uh, the cherry on the cake, on the top. So thank you so much, Maria, for your time. I really appreciate it. And, and please tell the folks where you can follow you because you're a fantastic follow. Thank you so much. Thanks for the time. And I, uh, I really enjoy, enjoy your podcasts and, you know, your insight and uh, the, op you know, the opportunity to just, you know, chat about something that we're all, we're all passionate about, which is, a, which is our Boston Bruins and, and hockey in general. Absolutely. And I'm totally available if you ever want to talk again. So we could definitely make this a regular thing if you'd like. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. Yeah, I really, uh, I really enjoy doing uh, things like this, you know. It's great. Awesome. Maria, thank you so much. And, and uh, I will definitely talk soon. All right. Take care. Enjoy the rest of your evening. And that interview with Maria from Watertown is brought to you by today's show sponsor, BetOnline.ag. Baseball season is, is almost over, NFL football has officially kicked off, and the NHL and AHL seasons are right around the corner, so placing a wager on any sport has never been more exciting than with the great folks at BetOnline.ag. During the upcoming week, I'll be watching and involved in the action as the Red Sox and New England Patriots will be playing, and guess what? Because you're a loyal listener of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast and CLNS Media Content, we're giving you a 50% bonus onto your sports bet betting bankroll when you go to betonline.ag and use code CLNS50. This added bonus is only for first ever deposits, and the best part is the bonus is added onto your balance within seconds. Again, support our Black and Gold Hockey Podcast by going to betonline.ag. Use the code CLNS50. Please remember, a minimum deposit of $55 is required to qualify for the bonus. Please see BetOnline's general rules and for additional terms and conditions regarding bonuses. Don't sit on the sidelines during your favorite sports season. Get in all the action with BetOnline.ag, your online sports book expert. And we're back. Uh, what a fantastic um, uh, interview with Maria. I mean, that was really cool. I, I really like the, her thoughts on the uh, contracts and why it takes so long for contracts like McAvoy and Carlo to get done. I thought she was very insightful on that. Um, but she's a great follow. Great follow her on, on Twitter at um, Maria from Watertown. And then, uh, I, I forgot to write down the whole thing, but I'm sure everybody knows. And I've tweeted it out myself. So. Uh, but no, she was. She, she. I was very appreciative that she took the time to come on and uh, and hang out for a couple of minutes and uh, just a chat. And I'm definitely going to have her on again. So definitely, really, really cool. And I hope uh, anybody who's not local but our bees fans love Marie as much as everyone around here does. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, we're going to get right into our next topic. So 
getting back to the Bruins related talk. We're gonna go with, hey, we got new owners, six of them. Yeah. Yeah, Jeremy, <laughs> Jeremy Jacobs. Owners. And that was the other pandemonium that happened earlier this week, besides the Adam McQuaid news that he's coming back. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Jeremy Jacobs has transferred his ownership to his six children. So um, for the people that have been around in the 70s that remember him when he came in as a first owner, or as a first National Hockey League owner, and hate him to the day he got you a couple he got you a Stanley Cup one Stanley Cup I believe you and two losses so not bad yeah I mean so I think he's done okay in my book to keep the franchise here and competitive somewhat I know that people are gonna trash me for what I'm saying but I, I think he was a decent owner and had the right the right idea he owned the team for 44 years, you know. One out of three isn't so bad, I guess, in that run. But the team's been competitive for a while now. I do have to say that when I was a kid, I hated him because he would not spend money. Like, back when you had to spend the money and yeah. he had all this money. And I'd be like, why the frig? Like, honestly, like, had he spent money, some of the boys in the office upstairs and some of our numbers retired would have had a cup earlier than between exactly. the Bobby or error. You know who I'm talking about, the Ray Borks and the, the Don of the world. Yeah. The time that we I grew up. I used to up. hate him. Spend money. Wouldn't let the GM do shit. Yeah. The GM was psycho. The coach and the GM were always fighting. It was pandemonium in the Bruins' offices the time, for a long time. The time we grew up, the New York Rangers were pillaging, pillaging the, the Edmonton Oilers mm. after their run after their four Stanley Cups because they were moving on. Messier was was uh, dealt. Curry was gone. All these, I mean, Coffee yeah. was gone. All these players were now going to teams that had money and availability to spend. The New York Rangers were, were like, they were, they were assembling all-star teams. Yeah. I mean, frankly, it worked. Yeah, the team In 1994, that, it worked. Yeah. But. Yeah, the teams that sold the most jerseys got to buy the best players because players are starting to want their money that's like the birth exactly. of like the players union and all this stuff and yeah because back then there was a reason a few teams like they could spend the money to have all those players like I, we joked about last week with the contracts like I wonder how much Wayne Gretzky or Mark Messier would make in this time and hour you know uh but yeah uh so I thought that I like this article that I was reading who did I read it from it was from the CBS Boston affiliate but I like the thing that is like the 79-year-old Jacobs originally purchased the team in 1975. We know that. It was like $10 million. It was a steal. Okay? A steal. Uh, so the DuPont uh, wrote that the Jacobs, children's are, the Jacobs children are expected to maintain ownership in the running of the franchise into perpetuity, a long par all part of a long-standing plan of secession that the senior Jacobs finally executed early this year. So what I like, and I didn't always feel Jeremy Jacobs and an owner felt, he did have a long-term plan to pass this down. Because there were a lot of times I thought, well, what the frig does he care? He owns the building. You know, his bank owns the building. They own the concessions. What do they really care if this team wins or not? Also, the Bruins are an old franchise, so they're, they're always going to have good numbers, you know, kind of holding steady, even if their team is sucky. So that makes me happy because that means, and we know that some of the boys have been working in the office and stuff. The kids are involved, like yep. actual day-to-day -day yep, operations in some capacity. And I like that it's like, no, guy, you don't get to wait till I'm off and then sell this franchise for a billion dollars or whatever. Like, no, you are expected to continue this and your kids should eventually, you know, I like Absolutely. that stability and ownership. I don't want to be the Coyotes. Like, no one wants no, to own us. No, I don't <laughs> want to move. No, no, this is a but staple. This is history. Yeah. This is... That's kind of exciting-ish. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it creates a lot of opportunities. It creates more opinions, too. This is one thing that I'm kind of weirded out about is now who's, like, the governor? Like, it, can he go as an owner? Uh, all right, so can Jeremy Jacobs still go as an owner to the Board of Governors meetings? Or is that now in Charlie, or do all six of them I, sit in a chair? Uh, I would think that amongst themselves. I would think since Charlie is the most, so the thing that we have closest to right. being in line with the GM and the president right. all the way down. So you'd almost have to vote like council. Right. So what I would think is that the six of them probably have to, just like if you have an executive, you might have six siblings right. that are part of that estate, but the one sibling's executing yep. it. I would think that Charlie would be probably the representative okay. and take his spot. That, that would makes be sense. I mean, but I don't know. I hierarchy. Like, goal, I don't you know? know, Katie. Maybe she's the one that's going to sit in the chair and bring a whole <laughs> new spin to things. I don't know. But just be good to us, okay? That's all I'm asking. I'm, I'm sure it's gonna, the stay, legacy will live on. Stay with it because we still have to get a cup. I know. I absolutely. need another cup in my life. <laughs> I can't. I waited 33 years to see the first one or whatever. I don't even know how long it was. It felt like forever because I remember crying like, holy shit, we really won the Stanley Cup. I don't know if I was more devastating and losing the Stanley Cup or was it losing for the first time and not being in the playoffs for 30 years. Mm. That was a tough one back in the 90s, early 90s, when they went that stretch of 30-some-odd years about being in the playoffs, yeah. and they were not in the playoffs. Yeah. That actually, thank you for opening up that old one. Oh, I no, I'm sorry. I hadn't even thought of that for <laughs> a while, but now that you bring it up, I'm, I'm old, not sure like which one was worse. I'm not very smart, but I'm also like a, kind of a cyclopedia that all of a sudden just things stop popping in my head, and I just got to, you the know, things talk about it. my brain tells me. But, uh... What we got next? Oh, I just wanted to mention uh, Marshawn and Bergeron, both on the top jersey selling. Uh, Bergie was fifth, and Marshawn was number 12th on the top, like, 15 jerseys or whatever it is on NHL.com. And you know what that says to me? First of all, everyone loves, hey everyone loves Patrice Bergeron. Uh, what is, is it a state chopper? What is that? No, I'm going to have to uh, salute our uh, national forces, armed forces. Beautiful, oh, yeah. beautiful Nighthawk or helicopter just went over us. So, thank you for your service. Thank you for your service. That was pretty cool. Yeah. So now I feel weird continuing this, but I just wanted to mention uh, that's on the NHL.com's list of top-selling jerseys last year. And what I thought was interesting is everybody loves Patrice Bergeron. Obviously, he's Patrice Bergeron. But everyone hates Brad Marchand. But really, does everyone hate Brad Marchand? Because he seems to have sold the 12th best jersey on the list. Yeah. And why? Because everyone loves a badass. And he behaved himself this year, and he didn't look so douchey all the time. I mean, don't get me wrong. When he had his douchey moments, he was, like, all in. Like, if I'm going to mess up, I'm doing it now, you know? Hey, any 100-point season is damn sexy, in my opinion. I know. I mean, he's my douche, so I don't really care. But, like, generally, it's like... He, he was a better, more gentlemanly player, I guess. There wasn't a lot as much licking and sticking as there usually is. But, uh, yeah, just wanted to mention that. And they were both on Cracked in the top 20 of the gamers on NHL 20, saying they're in the top of those. Speaking of jersey list, and I, I think a sexy jersey is Detroit, Detroit Red Wings. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was tough to say. Yeah. And um, but you had some uh, mention of uh, a Red Wing that recently retired. Oh yeah, I just wanted to say that 
I love Nicholas Cromwell, and he just retired. I know everyone's like, oh, Luongo, or whatever, but I just wanted to say that Nicholas Cromwell, who is a generational defenseman, literally they'd call him the Cromwall. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because he get hit. But he's the last of a generation. He won, you know, he won a cup. He's on one of the sorry, you know, cup teams. But he played 15 seasons, 950 games with the Detroit Red Wings on their blue line. Yeah, Detroit Red Wings. I wanted to say, you know, there was a time. People forget that even though the Russian invasion, this and that, there were a time where the Swedes were ruling the world a little bit there in uh, the NHL. And what I think, apparently he's transitioning into an office role. Him and Eisenman are going to work it out once he's ready, you know, but... Uh, what I respect is that this guy is a half a season shy of making, or less than, a little more than half a game, to make his thousandth game. And he said, you know what, instead I'm going to walk away. He's not going back to Sweden after all this time. Him and his family are staying. He's going to be in the Red Wing offices, and he that's had, awesome. He had a fantastic teacher along the way uh, in Nicholas Lidstrom. Mm-hmm. That, guy, that guy was unbelievable. Unbelievable defenseman. Hall of Famer all through and through. Um, yeah. So that's all I just I just wanted to say. I know people are sad about some other players retiring, and I'm sad to see some of them go too, but Nicholas Cromwell, I knew it was coming eventually, you know, sooner than later, but it was like, I knew it would happen, Nicky. Right. But anyways, good luck in all your next adventures off the ice. Absolutely. And using all your knowledge that's been passed down to you that you can now pass down to the young kids in Detroit and maybe help get that franchise kick-started again and back and going. Faux show. All right. So, do you want to... Where are we going with this? I'm thinking, do you want to talk about the fact that Tim Thomas has been cited like Bigfoot? He has surfaced not, and he talked. Not really, but it, it really happened. News. I just happened. I just wanted to mention that, well, I mean, you, the guy won you a cup, you know what I mean? You can't say. His daughter apparently is working in the front office, you know, get some sleeper kind of... Sleeper cell. Yeah. Total sleeper cell. Yeah, Tim so, Thomas's daughter is working in the TD Garden. Yep. She's a sleeper cell. She's um, feeding him all information in the bunker. So, anyways, he's going... Wiretap. Yeah. No. You know. You know, that's the thing. is like the whole joke's been where he is. He's kind of withdrawn and everything. And I, I think, like, you know... It, I even at the time, I was like, this is a bigger deal than it needs to be. Because, like, now players regularly go or don't go to meet the president. But at the time, it was like he was ostracized for it. It was like a big, you know, so kind of like Kaepernick taking the knee and then he became the target for all the hate of people not liking that. Like, let it go, guy. He went. And, again, I personally feel like it's his flag, too. And I don't feel like he's not turning his back. He's not doing anything, whatever. But... Tim Thomas has surfaced, and he is going into the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame. We should acknowledge that. Good job. And Gary Bettman. Gary Bettman's going to be in all the Hall of Fames. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. Even That's the basketball. Um, but there was just one. Yeah. Even the basketball. Yeah. I can't, like, how is, I just, <laughs> again, I don't know how to reconcile Barry, Gary, Barry, yeah. Gary Bettman <laughs> in my heart, okay? Uh, but. I just thought that this was kind of a little interesting quote from whatever this article is, uh, Stephen Wino from the Associated Press. Yeah. Uh, but he thought, because Great you know, writer. it's like, I think part of what the fans are with Tim Thomas is like, he just, like, you up and abandoned us, Timmy. How could you do that? No explanation, no note, you ghost us. This is not okay. But uh, I just thought that this was kind of a cute thing when he said, you know, I live a long way away from Boston, and it's not that fun for me to travel anymore because he's got some, like, spine issues and stuff as former players might. And uh, he said, it isn't anything to do with the Boston Bruins or the Bruins fans especially. My goodness, they loved the crap out of me when I was there to the point that it was hard to handle. You know, he won two 
Ben's, yeah. I mean, you just have to Nine. give him props. But I just was like, holy shit, Tim Thomas is like alive and talking. Like, maybe he wasn't a banner captain or whatever. Oh, by the way, I heard you on another podcast and you guys were talking about the banner captains. I think the banner captain should always be someone within the Bruins organization. Thank you. I don't care if it's one of the ice girls. Give me girl. a high five. I don't care if it's Thank one of the you. ice girls that are there every yeah, home game waving, chick, the flag. waving the flag. Absolutely. Well, I don't care about the hot chick thing, but I'm it? just saying that no, I don't. She's got Bruins, she, I get like Rob Gronkowski gets the crowd pumped up or whatever, but like how many times can Allie Reisman hold the thing? No offense to her. I know she's a local girl. She's an Olympian. Yay props to you. But no, I think it should be the, the older players yeah. or like Mark Savard came back. At least he had been a player. Like that's something that the players like, oh my God, Mark Savard. But like, I mean, to each their own. I mean, Evan, Evan brought up a good one. We had a little battle. I just, I just just said, why not? Why not? Evan Marinovsky, a, a tremendous up-and-comer in Boston sports. Uh, Hi, Evan. He's the uh, host of the uh, Bruins Beat podcast on uh, CLNS Media. Fantastic people over there, over at CLNS, and and, and Evan's awesome too. Uh, I was so nervous on his show. I was, <laughs> really was. I'm like, that's a that's a step up. So I was just like, ooh. But um, no, it was a lot of fun talking to him and so on. You know what I mean? Yeah, I just wanted to mention that. I feel the yeah. same as you. It should be someone in there. But going back to Thomas, it, it, the the accomplishments, the accolades, it's 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 all well worth it. You know what I mean? I mean, he got a copy, he earned it. I, I am, I'm not going to deny his accomplishments. I just the human being he was was just a little rough to to handle what you hear in the media and so on. And and later on, it, all my things started to come true. Like I heard he was a nutcase, and when you listen to, to um, to uh, uh, Jeff Merrick and um, and Elliot Friedman's interview on when they did their podcast, and I, I'm I don't know why I'm losing it here. Uh, it's a Sunday. Yeah, I mean Google Jeff Merrick. I'm sure you can. No, find but it. it's, it's, it's I don't remember the podcast that they have, and it's really really good. Thirty one thoughts. Yes, thirty one thoughts. Yeah, and freaking Andrew Ferrance was on there, and he said that Thomas was a freaking not case. Sometimes when you get called into an office. And then just be like, start calling everybody a communist. And flip out. Yeah. And so I was just like, wow, this was true. But now that we know all this stuff, but what he said in that article mm. and so on, and, and, and like mental, is it mental illness? Well, he's got some physical things going on. All right. I mean, so that, that's nothing to be, yeah. that's nothing to, uh, to joke about. You know yeah. what I mean? If he's got serious problems that are going on, I... You know, and obviously. it also could be the case that, you know, some people are a little more quirky than others, and he went off the deep end. People do yeah. that sometimes, and that happened, and he stepped away and cool. But, and I saw, but I saw things in his Bruins career that I didn't like. Mm. I mean, no, notice that when he came to the team and he got that helmet and everything, and he was all proud to have the, the Bruins colors on it. But as soon as the rumors come around that they were trading him, because they, they, he was, they wanted to move him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was never in the long term. Right. They wanted to move him because they saw him as an asset. Yeah. Once he did that, do you ever notice that he went away from all that color and went to the white mask with just the black outline? I that don't... was his way of saying, I'm not happy with this organization. Yeah, well, I don't really... Goalies can do what they want with it. Like, for me... Don't but... tell me Brodeur didn't do I, that with I, his. I, oh, no. Well, Marty also, though... I, cause player, I'll, I'll get the so. pictures out and I'll show you. He's the back difference. in Jersey where he belongs. Okay, okay. It's all been. I know. Everyone's kissing me up. It's all fine. No, but what I was gonna say is that there's been a lot of people going. I don't know why Tim Thomas should go in the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame because this dude was a standout 
NCAA yeah. player, and I think where professionally he, he it well. took when he was older is when he finally kind of popped off. End up, you know, and who knew, you know, even at that point in his career, he probably didn't think he'd be a two-time winner. And him and Tuke won the Jennings too one year. Yep. For the tandem, and no. yeah, they did one year. Him and no, Tuka it was did. him and Manny Fernandez. Was it Manny Fernandez? Yeah. I thought it was Tuka. No, it's Fernandez. Oh, sorry, Manny. <laughs> I apologize. See, I don't know. Thank you for telling me that. No problem. I thought Just I was doing it the whole time. But anyways, um, that's why, because he was a standout goaltender through an NCAA career, too, and yep. just because he didn't become the he next, was American. You know, he was American. So he does deserve it. And, yeah, absolutely. I'm not going to trash him for what he also, did. Also, why are you so, still mad at him? It's like eight years ago. I just, <laughs> like, move I, on. <laughs> I'm not a fan. No, not you. I just mean generally. Like, people freak. No, I just know. Just like, you know, just, know. you know how we Bruins fans can be. We can just some, freak out about everything and make things it. stick around. Like you said, you know like, oh, I mean? my God, Adam McQuaid's Zani. <laughs> Calm yeah. down, guy. Adam McQuaid. I'm just glad I didn't freak anywhere. out on the Adam McQuaid news. I do have to say, I though. Did, I did send a tweet out, though. I was like, oh, oh was here like, we go. Yeah. With That's Adam a, back to When Boston. I saw that, I was like, oh, God. Here we go. I'm like, it's never. They'll be talking about it. It's not. Ha- What's the big deal, guy? What's no, the but big deal? actually, going back to Thomas, I'm proud. It, it's, it's, it's a good moment for him, his family. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Um, and, and, and to his health, never joke about uh, health issues and stuff like that. Yeah. So, you know, the best of luck to him and his daughter. Yeah. Daughter working in the Boston Bruins organization. Hope, you know, good success to her and the family. So. Yep. All right, moving on. Yeah. All right, fine. Can I just... <laughs> so, there was this article about how, like, the most annoying sports fans. Oh. Yeah, Okay. So, we were voted number one and the Patriots. Of course. Because the Patriots can't just let us be number one without being number one. Because they win so much. Whatever. They won so much in the last, like, 20 years. Before 40 years before that, they did nothing. Remember when we were kids and they... You didn't even show the game. And that's when the Bruins were good. Yeah, they didn't even show the game. Well, no, they weren't good, but the rankings were way different. Yeah, it was way different (laughs) back in the day. So, anyways, this was just, like, a weird article. Paul Asik had it on September 3rd. I don't remember where it was from or I didn't think. But it was like, these are the most annoying sports fans. I want to specifically talk about us. But anyways, it was like some studies they were based on. I don't know what the actual survey was because I did not actually look. But all I know is we won. See, we're number one. No, I'm just kidding. But it's like, it was saying in a 2008 study, researchers at the University of Quebec. So I thought, oh, God, this is biased. But I don't think it's from that university. Just kidding. Identified passion as the main element in the emotional experience of fans. When enjoyable activities like watching sports are internalized, they become part of a fan's identity, a passion. So cheering for a team directly includes cheering for their self. It's possible to be a harmonious fan when your team wins or loses, or to be an obsessive fan who needs the team to win to order to be fulfilled no shit it's called being a fan like you're not a fan if you don't have those elements in your life you know what i'm saying i'm not the like are you the person who shows up you pay 300 dollars for the ticket to go to the game to wear the wrong jersey or like a different sport jersey to be on your phone no i'm not that kind of fan i'm the type of fan that's like what are you freaking doing like, you know, all the time i'll yell at my team their team the ref, I don't yeah. care. I'll yell at Anybody the coach. Anybody in the building. I'll yell at the coach. Kind of thing. And it said in a 2018 article of Psychology Today sums up the difference. Obsessive fans were more likely to experience manipulative, uh, maladaptive emotions, sorry, 
such as hate for the opposing team, and they also mock fans for opposing at uh, the opposing team. Harmonious fans were more likely to have high levels of self-esteem and life satisfaction, and more likely to show their feelings and positive fan manners, such as celebrating their team's victories in the streets. Okay, I would I would argue that's the stupidest argument between the difference because uh, you could be an obsessive fan and be a harmonious fan, right? Because I know like doesn't matter who it is we all agree we all hate the Canadians right like I'm just saying no one that likes Boston is thinking oh yeah I'm definitely a Habs fan too that's not their uh, other team uh, ever uh, right but anyways um, if anything I have a West Coast team it's a, yeah winning teams they, they generate victory celebrations and fans of losing teams celebrations can be obnoxious displays of arrogance I also vote you can do both of those things at the same time but I would like to say I would like to argue we are not the most annoying fans in the NHL or why we're allowed to be the most annoying. Okay, can I do that? Can I rebut that? What are your thoughts on this? Do you think we're the most annoying fans? I want to know who you think the most annoying fans are. Well, it depends on what kind of annoyance you're actually talking about. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it, it, there's different levels. There's, the, there's the, the fan that thinks they know everything and there's the fan that casually pays attention and then there's the, just a, a fan that doesn't pay attention at all that really fires from the hip at everything. Like Adam McQuaid coming back to town. <laughs> like Tim Thomas being the, uh, the fan, I mean the, uh, the flag waver, and that was all hyped up from 98.5, and then all of a sudden, game time, it wasn't. It was a Patriot or something like that. But, um, you know... I have to say, I'm not kumbayaing at a sports event. The whole idea of a sports event is to watch your team kill the other team yeah, or an support. individual athlete in, during the Olympics or whatever it is. But I would like to say we are not the most annoying fans. I don't care what anyone says. At one, I want to put it in pretext. I understand that a lot of the hate is also because people hate Boston because there's been so much winning going yeah, on. And I get that. That's fucking obnoxious. Like, a dynasty's cool, but it fades away. But when a whole city is a dynasty, that's annoying. But I'd also like to point out, uh, yeah, well, I only won one cup and lost two in the final, and that kind of hurt. Like, I'm a humble fan. Like, I don't take it for granted that we went seven games with St. Louis, even if we did lose. Like, right. no one else got to go that far right on us, you know? But anyways... I would like to say I do know that, and also I'd like to reiterate that I'm a Bills fan, so I also hate the Pats, so I get that. Duly right? noted. <laughs> okay, so I just want to also say that there's definitely no way, no way, no way, no way that we are more annoying than Montreal Canadiens fans. Ugh. Have you ever been seated with a group of Montreal Canadiens fans? Hey, say you're going to the Montreal game with your friends and you get seated in a room full of them at fours before. You're trying to eat your meal. I remember you're sick. that. You sit there. I, that day, because we were surrounded people. I have to tell you, there must have been 85, and they were giving us dirty looks. And I don't give a fuck because I'm Boston, you know, from Metro Boston. I look at them. I actually, because I was sick and bitchy, looked at one of them and said, stop looking at the Ray Bork picture. He's ours now. Because that's how I felt. <laughs> that's how I felt. Don't there. But... Don't tell me that we are worse than Habs fans, okay? No. Or Toronto fans. Oh, the center of the hockey world rolls balls around us. You have not won a cup in 60 years. You haven't even been into the finals in, I don't, I can't even, exactly, exactly. Because <laughs> if it had been any time in our lifetime, Mark would have just fired it off the top of his head, okay? And let's tell, we're not old, but we're not spring chickens either. So right. we'll just say it at that, okay? So I also want to say... That real Bruins fans are knowledgeable and they're prideful hockey fans. 
We are bred five generations deep, okay? We're better than you and we know it because we are. And I say that in a loving way, but not many teams are better than us in the last 10 years, right? Right now, who are the teams that, the West, we won't touch the West, but say in the East, right? I'm looking at you, Tampa, okay, you're better than us. Toronto depends on the day. We yeah. kind of go back and forth. We're kind of in the same spot, right? So shut up, okay? We have a chunk of players, not only in the Hall of Fame, we have a little chunk of cups. We have a chunk of players in the NHL 100 for the 100th anniversary, History. okay? We expect the best. That's why we will yell at our own team. Like, And I'm sorry if you don't have that same level of fandom, but when you have our pedigree and our hockey fan pedigree, I'm looking at you, Vegas, with your two magical little years. When you in 40 years and everyone's excited, when you're the St. Louis Blues, then I'll worry about you. But other than that, if you want to go toe-to-toe, we will give you the verbal bitch slap. And if you don't want it, don't start the fight with us. <laughs> I'd also like to finish with any group of fans is obnoxious. Oh, also, I'd like to say we're a little mouthier than other fans, except for Philly. Like, yeah. you know, looking at you, Philly, you're our sister city. I wouldn't want to mouth off to a Flyers fan Philly, either. Philly's crazy. Yeah, Philly be crazy. They might be bashing your head in with a bottle. You oh, look yeah. at them the wrong way. Or Gritty might. Jesus. that. <laughs> no, it scares me. <laughs> Gritty is the most... I love... I had Freddy Krueger on my wall when I was five. Gritty scares me. It is one of the only things that frightens me. Okay. But he's so popular. Do you want to know why Gritty scares me? He's creepy. He is creepy, but it's those googly eyes. And you know what? Those googly eyes are on that goddamn machine at Stop and Shop now that's going oh up and down God. the aisles. I'm like Courtney, my wife Courtney. Yeah. We go When we go shopping, I'm like, Court, I'm going to hip check this thing if it comes near me. Yeah. And, it, and it wasn't so bad when they didn't, when they when it, when it was all plain. It was yeah. all plain Jane, and it was going through. That's fine. It was a little creepy, right? But then they put the eyes on it, and I was just like, oh, I, I, that's it. I'm all set with robots. Like, it's just yeah. not like generally I'm creeped out by robots, but I don't need this one walking up and down following me. I tell my kids to go the other way because I don't know where that video is really streaming to, and I'm not a paranoid person, right. but still. I also The last thing I'm going to say is any group of fans is obnoxious when they've had too much to drink, and that's a special breed in Boston, so please forgive us. But, oh, like, yeah. please don't judge us by the idiots on that call into certain shows that are just like, oh, like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to trade everybody, and then we're going to bring all the young kids up from Bravo, whatever. Just, we are not that annoying, okay? But we also aren't coddlers. Like, we're not, we're warm and fuzzy. We're fun, dude. Like, if you're, like, an opposing team and you get in with us and we're buddies, except for you Montreal Canadiens fans, that only happens if you're (laughs) blood-related. Like, Shout out not. to the Slewfoot podcast. Yeah. Montreal Canadian show. I just can't, I can't reconcile why we're the most annoying besides all that arrogant bullshit I just spewed. I'm just saying, it's, it's just Yankee arrogance. We can't oh, help it. I we're know. more elitist than you. We're so elitist, we hold our elitist to a certain standard. <laughs> this is the reason, like, you don't have to. Like, there was a survey actually earlier in the summer that was like um, how fans viewed different teams. And no surprise, Bruins teams thought we were like five or 10% less for being like an elite team in the league than other people's teams did because they see us from the outside. But in here, it's like always, you have to win, 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 win. If you don't win, get out of here. We hate you. 
but then in 20 years, we'll all have your jerseys in retro and be cheering for you while you're jersey. Like, it's ridiculous. But anyways, we are not the most annoying fans. Montreal is easily way more annoying than us. And Toronto, why are we... Toronto's up there, too. Well, Toronto, to Toronto it had, like, the there. percentage. The two that were behind us. Well, the thing is, we got 20% of the friggin' vote, practically. What? There can't be a fifth most more annoying. Toronto only got 10%. So that means they surveyed a lot of Toronto Maple Leafs fans because there is no way the arrogant world of Toronto. Did you hear the did you hear the uh, the uh, hot take I dropped on the Die by the Blade podcast with well, uh, Anthony? I definitely did, but that was days ago. I listened to that. Guy. I said that the mecca of hockey might be moving oh, down to Buffalo, to yeah, Buffalo yeah, yeah. crossing the border. Oh yeah, I did it. That uh, was... It got me about four or five followers. Yeah. Well, what I was <laughs> what I was saying is that I did listen to it, but man, that was like twelve. 14, 20,000 podcasts ago. I just I know, lost right? it. No, I like that. It was Crazy funny when you had said that. I was like, oh, I have that one. Cool. Well, I'll just see you then when you pop into the thing. What else we got? Uh, I mean, we're, we're basically at an hour right now. We can we can wrap it up. Or we okay, I think we should just take a break, and then we're going to come back and talk about the defense and Chara and stuff, and maybe talk about Tory Krug, because you know I love talking about Tory Krug. I will. And I, I have something a little bit about Charlie Coyle. Mm-hmm. So See? we might be able to bring that in. And then we'll just freestyle. I, oh, I don't know about that. Freestyle and I don't know, my back. <laughs> All right, we will be right back. Thank you very much for listening. This is the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Mark Allred, Heather Ingerson. We will return shortly. We are back from our break, back at Alliance Park here in Amesbury talking Bruins hockey on this gorgeous, gorgeous September day. Cicadas are out yelling, Bruins, we need Bruins now. You can hear them. Like, yeah. I can hear them. They get the little wings saying, we need Bruins hockey now, and we don't need football. That's crap. We need hockey. All right, but anyway, <laughs> getting back to the agenda. Where are we going, Heather? Um... My, my topic list was very short and sweet, but... Um, so I was reading this article by Mac, Matt Porter the other day from Boston Maddie Port, Globe. At Matty yeah. Ports on Twitter. So, all right, he's reliable to me, so I like to read his stuff. So, um, apparently, the captain may or may not be ready to go for opening day. And that set me off. Okay, well, let's talk about Chara for a minute, okay? Obviously, dude had surgery on his jaw and his elbow. I'm not mad at him if he's not ready. He's 42, and the fact that he can even heal from that kind of surgery and want to play, good on him. But it also set me off going, oh, good. What in the F are we going to do if, say, let's just say... You have Moore and Miller, who are both hurt. They are not playing, probably. At least not initially, right? You got McElvoy and Carlo. Assumingly, they're not signed. They can't be on the ice. Yeah. We don't know if is going to start. Matt Grizzlick is kind of, we're not, still not quite sure how he's, like, he probably will be there. We haven't really heard otherwise, but he is still kind of in 
the, with the other people nursing injuries and getting ready for the season. So that leaves um, Tori Krug, right, and Steve Camper. Yeah, maybe Connor Clifton. And, I like uh, it. I like we go. Who else though? Like who else are you? Well, you can like Yero will get. He'll be up. He's got to be a big in, boy. Yep. I think you could definitely bring in Yero Vakanainen, most ready right now. Um, NHLer. So, those are um, our five non-rostered but signed right. D's on the baby. Zaboral, Zaboral, uh, Ken put in some NHL minutes. Not sure how long uh, he can do, but you know he can play. Uh, Axel Anderson won't be there um, or in, in the mix. Wiley Sherman could be in the mix, but not really. More of a um, Providence all-timer, in my opinion. Uh, Jeremy Lazon uh, is another one that can get heavy minutes, too, and heavy consideration. I would I would put Lauzon over Zaboral, but not over Vakaninen. So my order would actually go Vakaninen, uh, Lauzon, Zaboral, and then Sherman. Yeah, that's what I wanted to ask you is say we needed because I'm going to give Clifton and Camper the first two, like yeah. to, to be. I want to see Connor three. in there a lot um, more. Euro definitely in. So who would be the last two that you would pick if we had to round out the defensive six on the back end for opening night? Did we I, already say Camper? Well, that's what I'm saying. Let's say Steve Camper will be up just because of his experience and, like, he, you know. I mean, you could do a. That's a, why we pay him. You basically. could do a, uh, a, on the third pairing, mm-hmm. a Clifton Camper. Okay. On the second pairing, you could do a um, Krug. Yerho and the first pairing. That's uh, what I'm saying. Um, oh, no. Then Who would we, that be? Damn, I don't know. That's a That's, good one. The thing that concerns Shit. me, that leaves Yerho as like a big, def- like a bigger defenseman, right? So because right, we were talking move. about size all damn. the time. Now we're looking at six. To, well, now you'd have to move everybody up. So now it's Krug. Say you put Krug and Yerho on the first pairing. Yep. Where would you go from there? That makes sense. And then sense. Camper. Clifton on the on the second, mm-hmm. and then probably Zaboro allows on. Yeah, see, you like allows on, but that's what I'm like. I do agree to be more well, ready than see, like an excellent. All right, where are you going? Well, I'm not quite sure. That's why I kind of wanted to bring all you right. in because I I mean obviously these are some prospects we know a little better. They've been around a little bit, but that's what I don't know. I would definitely Krug Yero. Cooper Zek is another one that it, it could be uh, available, mm. but. I still, I'd almost rather see some of these guys up there just to check them out and then get their look. Sure. Um, definitely Krug, oh, sorry. Definitely right. Krug Euro on the top line. I was thinking, but again, some of these guys, I'm not sure which side they play, but I was thinking maybe like Carlo and Zaboro. I mean, I mean, Carlo. Clifton and Zaboro to see how they play. Again, people have, they, these players have all been around each other, these young oh, yeah. kids. So I don't know what their natural defensive pairs are down there either. That's another reason why I wanted to bring it up to you. Because I'm feeling like, oh, fuck, we might be on See, defense right now. The weird thing about Providence is in the, in the schedule they do is they do a Friday, Saturday, Sunday schedule. So the, so the pairings are always different because yeah. of, of time. So and, we can't even, like, grab a pair and just pull them right. up. Right. I mean, <clears throat> it, it's, it's not out of the ordinary to see, I mean, Lozon and Zaboro for more than three games. Yeah, it's always different. I guess. I guess if I was voting, I would vote out Sherman and Lozon. That's just me because I'm not. I'm not totally in on them yet. I do like Axel Anderson. I want to see what he can do a little yep. more. Uh, 
Jakob Zboril's been around so long, he should naturally be one of the people up there. So I guess, I don't know, I just more was pondering, like, what is going on on this defense? No, I have, no it's, if a, we're it's a valid left topic. It's a valid topic on October 3rd when you go into Dallas yeah. and say, like, hey, who, who's going to be on that team when we're yeah. going to have... Um, have Tyler Sagan shooting at us, having Jamie Ben yeah, shooting at us. I was like us. having a team that's sharing Radulov shooting at us, that crazy Russian drunk. Yeah. You know, but yeah. it's a serious concern. Yeah. I mean, it's a and legitimate. Just, just the age, like the, the experience. It's going to yeah. be absolutely young. I mean, Tory Krug is now your freaking, your, your oldest defenseman your venture. Yeah, yeah, your yeah, oldest your veteran on the team. That's is crazy. Your, yeah. That's why I was just like, oh, shit, what do we do? And like I said, I don't want to. I think, I mean, like any goaltender, Tuca's certainly more comfortable when his defense is solid in front of him. Yep. I mean, all goaltenders fail that way. You don't want to work five times as hard, you know? No, absolutely and not. And if it's a crap not. show, if it ends up being – now, it might end up being you're like, wow, awesome, good job, kids. But, again, we're playing Dallas, who has a pretty solid team and have been sharing themselves up yep. all. And they got some snipers on that team. Absolutely. Uh, speed and know how to the speed how to use their speed when the young kids are still learning. So, I don't know. I just, like I said, I had to bring it up because – a, Chara not being ready. He's the captain. You always want the captain. He didn't get to start last year either because him, Krug, and Berge were all hurt for opening night last year. Right, uh, right. But I just wanted to know your thoughts because, again, I'm more familiar with these prospects down on the defense also. You know, I like defense. But I didn't know who, what to do with that because some of them can still play both sides, but some of them are very specifically side, you know. Well, that's going to be all about internal competition during camp, too. Mm. I mean, they're going to have plenty of time to show the Bruins brass what they can do and, and what they can do in a freaking emergency situation. Like, it's going to happen. Because we're going to have Miller, Moore. There's three defensemen that are out right yeah. now. I mean, two and a half. Let's call Chara a half, half right yeah. now. So we definitely know that two of them are going to be out. Just the top half. half. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um... It's going to be different. It's going yeah. to be interesting. It's going to be, but the, the the competition is going to be the best part about it. And who else can be involved too? You know what I mean? Because there's other players in Providence that are, are not NHL signed. They're signed to AHL deals that can be, that can be signed to a two way deal, mm. like a Chris Breen. That guy's a that guy's huge. Like I mean, he's bigger than Wiley Sherman, but I mean, he doesn't have that NHL pedigree in him. But he has that. In, break glass in case of emergency kind of thing going on down there. He's a leader down in Providence, too. So some of these young guys might have a familiar face with a guy like him up here, but something that I wouldn't do personally. Mm -hmm. But it's just, if, if he plays, I mean, Don Smee has always been a proponent of, if you're the better player, you'll get the spot. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this this competition for camp is going to be very interesting to watch. Yeah, it's got to be in the back of their heads too. Oh, yeah. Like, oh shit! Like, there could be five defensive spots that need to be filled yeah, right now. Exactly. I mean, that's just insane to think, right? Yeah. Also, I think it'd be fu like not funny, but like ironic. Like, Tory Krug finally gets to do opening day because he'd been injured the last couple, and now, like you said, suddenly you are the veteran okay. captain on the back end or whatever. Let's teach everyone on the fly, literally. <laughs> Um, yeah, so just, it got me thinking, like, oh, geez, what are we going to, this isn't, well, in, like, you brought up last week, too, I guess, was how, like, every time you have to pull the kids from Providence up, you can't gel Providence either, so I think that's a weird note for everyone to have to start on, but that's, I guess, all I have to say about that, just wanted to get your opinion on the kids. Yeah, I'm not in on Wiley Sherman yet at all, and Lozon, I'm always, like, fencing it, like, when I think 
think I'm in. I'm not quite it's sure. It's weird. It's like Trent Frederick. I'm not sure if I'm in. I it's think I could be in. It's weird with Sherman because when he goes to when when he goes to development camps, I see certain things that he does really well. But in game time situations, I don't see those things that he was showing in those individual skilled camps. So that's why I can't gauge where he's going to be playing. You know what I mean? And I'm not the great evaluator. I'm just, I just, I like hockey. I watch hockey and I just give an opinion. So it's an unprofessional opinion, but that's just what I see. It's like people that stand out to me have all of those attributes, whether you bring it to a, a, a measly development camp, a training camp, or if you're playing in the minor pros. If you, you know, if you're going to show something, but do it consistently. And I'm not knocking Wiley. Yeah. I, I hear he was a great guy. I interviewed him a couple times. Yeah. I mean, smart guy. Oh, no, I just mean from, like, a positional standpoint. I just don't like see it. would be there, yeah. Like you, I don't see it. I just... Could but just there's nothing wrong. And that's the biggest thing about prospects and people that are retained onto a second contracts for the AHL. There's nothing wrong with being an AHL player. I mean, yeah. there's a difference in pay, obviously. You go from seventy to ninety thousand dollars to the millions. Yeah, it's a big difference, and I get it. But an organization cannot thrive or be competitive without having the sustainability of a good system in place. Mm-hmm. And we need players like that. I mean, so so when somebody gets drafted in the second round or even the first round, like if Jakob Zaboral doesn't work out, and he's signed year by year by year to stay with the organization as a pretty key piece of, of the middle development mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with that no. I mean the guy the guy got that far in his career and if he's only going to be playing in the AHL or maybe maybe take his talents after after the AHL and go back home and play in the KHL or you know I know he's not Russian but who knows everyone else plays in the KHL but you're playing hockey yeah you've got to a certain level I mean that's got to be awesome there are other places to play professional hockey Absolutely. I mean the NHL is the holy Absolutely. grail but but I just don't like the criticism all the time when it, when a draft pick doesn't work out. It's a bust, and I get I get it. I, I understand it. But then this that person just trash. It's like, no, he's a part of the organization still. Yeah. It's, it's a key part. Well, it's also how you look at being a bust. Like some people's like, oh my god, it's a bust. It's been two years, and they're not yeah. on the big team again. That goes. Well, they're to, already on the Jakob. Yeah. It's been what four years now since where, 2015. Where is he supposed to have put him? There hasn't been anywhere to put him. It's all the contractual obligations that they already have on the roster right now yep. that are hindering all this movement. Yep. This is a serious bottleneck. You'll get there. And I know people go, well, you know, McAvoy walked right in there. Yeah, well, that's because McAvoy is one of those players who is much more ready to be at the NHL level. He, Maybe you could have played your last year, you know what I mean, and just stayed where you were. But there was no need to send that kid to the AHL. It was more right. beneficial at the time. But what you don't want to do with a per- with a prospect type person, you certainly don't want to rush them and them not be ready, and then all their confidence and their skill set break apart because they're not ready to be at the level. It's like letting someone run a bank and they can barely run the ATM. You know, like doesn't make sense. <laughs> like you got to learn. It's a learning curve. Okay. Speaking of defense, turns out I was right. Tory Krug might very well just like a team-friendly deal so he can stay with his buddies. He's open to that idea. What say you? Absolutely. I mean, if he's, if he's absolutely willing to take less money, team-friendly contract to stick around, mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I, I mean, so, just it, reference, sorry, Emily Kaplan, ESPN.com was the original. Emily's awesome. Great yeah, podcast with Greg Wasinski. Yep, ESPN Ice. ESPN on Ice. You may knock ESPN, but those two, don't knock them. I'll come find you. Anyway, that was terrible. That's all right. I'd be a bad hitman, wouldn't I? Yeah, <laughs> you would, because you're not supposed to tell people. I know. <laughs> just <say. laughs> uh, But yeah, so anyways, Kruger, and I know that's like later. Uh, he seems to be being patient, though, because he understands there are other contracts that need to be addressed before his, which I like. That's a team player. Absolutely. But you also got to look at his, his trade value, too, and I know you hate hearing that, but with one year left to go is a very enticing thing for another organization because now they have time to talk negotiation rights for an extension if he was moved. So this whole thing is going to be very, very interesting on how it's all laid out. If he stays for less money yeah. and he's honest to that, power to him. My Absolutely thing is that if you, if he, for, if from a Tory Krug standpoint, either way, it's going to work out, right? His preference is to stay here. Like he's not, on the open market, that kid's going to make between seven and eight million dollars, Absolutely. right? Spot on. So even if he, I mean, you got to give him a raise, okay? He's been making five and a half for long enough he's proved his worth. But jokes on everybody else because everyone else is going to have to pay him a lot of effing money if he isn't re-signed by the Bruins. So even if you end up with him, if you want to retain Tory Crew, you're going to have to put out some money. Like PK, one of the things um, I was reading comparables. that comparables. Yeah, I know. I hate comparables too. <laughs> but was saying about how he's only eight points off of PK Subban having this. Like they have the same point total. He's. PK's got eight more points than Tory Krug since 2013-14 when Krug came into the league. So if you want to look at comparables of PK Subban, now totally different defensemen, I'm not yeah. saying that. Comparably, totally, their totally style of prey, I'm not that. Yeah. But if PK's making his money, Tory Krug's making at least PK money on this open market. You know what I'm saying? That's interesting to me, too. Like, I didn't think, I mean, you know, I think he's awesome in his point show. You know, anybody who actually looks at what people do and even statistically or whatever knows that he's worth his, you know, money. But I didn't realize he was that close to, like, P.K. Subban, who is obviously one of the most worshipped defensemen of their generation. And uh, that's just interesting to me. But, yeah, I think he, if they can, I mean, we keep talking about this. Money's going to be freed up. This Money's going to be freed up. The, the horse beater. Um, it's... It's so messed up because the cap situation just puts people in this notion that you got to trade somebody and who's it going to be, who's a, who is as of value. And, and unfortunately, Tory Crew is a very, very valued asset right now on a market that is probably not even set yet because he's not on his second year, of, uh, his second contract. Or, uh, no, I'm sorry. I screwed that whole, whole thing up. He's on multiple contracts because he did year to year to prove me yeah. to get to this point. So He earned his spot. But, I mean, there's so many people out there that say, well, if you trade him, how are you getting the 60-some-odd points back from that? Because you're not getting that in any, anybody in Providence. You know you're not I mean? getting right that now. from half of the people on the forwards. Yeah, or even out in the NHL. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's crazy, but... It's crazy how much of a value he is on the point production as a defenseman. That's the most impressive thing about his game. And that's, that's what set, ultimately sets the bar on people saying, well, if you, if you want to make a deal with us, we want him. <laughs> yeah. 
And that's my thing I was thinking, too, is, like, the Bruins are going to have to, shortly after these contract negotiations, get on it. Because he's a UFA. Like, yeah. he can go yeah. home to Michigan if no he felt like it on No rights, the, nothing. Right. So after it's not July like... one, he yeah. can go anywhere. Like, McAvoy and Carlo can't go anywhere until this is worked yeah. out. He can leave the thing. And also, you would think if something isn't in place before the trade deadline, he would probably be like, either trade me or sign me because, or know that there's something in place that I'm getting signed come July 1st. Because yep. if not, you know, you also have to know your value either. You know what I mean? And sure. this is a situation it wouldn't be, I don't like being on this team, but again, if you price yourself out. And I do have to say, in my defense, it's not as if I'm someone who doesn't go. I understand why you might trade Krug because of it. It used to be, though, trade Krug because he's too little, too doesn't do anything. No. Seriously, do you see what our defense does? Like, I don't care. He yeah. plays bigger than half of the big guys. Like, I can't. But now it's more of a cap space situation where before it would always be like, oh, Krug's smaller, Krug's yeah. smaller. Like, okay, then, well. then we transition to another topic uh, is, is cap space. You just, yeah. you just said it right there. And so... Tory Krug's got one more year. Let me let me look at tell you the list of, of players that are that are on their current last years of their contract. Debrusque, I think, right? Um, Coyle, Wagner, Richie, Nordstrom, Debrusque, Miller, Chara, Grizzlick, and Halak are all on their last years of the deal. So half the team. Right now, I'm I'm already targeting. I'm saying, unfortunately. I, I don't know what's going to happen with Wagner. Like to see him, mm. but they don't pay the players like him anymore. Yeah, they they pay him the average salary he's getting right now, which is one point two. If he wants double of that, I don't think it's going to work out because it didn't work out with with Tim Schaller. It didn't work out with Nolachari when he wanted a, um, a pay increase. So I don't. I just that trend right there tells me that Wagner's not going to stick around. Mm. Uh, Richie, don't believe. He'll stick around unless he makes a serious, serious impact. Yeah. And it starts in camp. Um, Nordstrom, no. DeBrosca, absolute must sign. Yes. That is, that's another future piece. Yeah. I mean, three future pieces, Carlo, McAvoy, and DeBrosca, in a two-year frame that you, you have to pay. God, Don Sweeney, I do not want that job. Yeah. You know? No, that's a lot. Like, And you've got the pressure of signing Krug on yeah. top of, yeah. Because DeBrosca's going to earn his money, too, especially yep. if he has a big year this year. Kevin Miller, I, I, I say he's gone. Bye. Chara, Chara, do not re-sign him for another year. I get it if you have to. I get it, but the bottleneck will kind of relax itself with that roster spot. We talked I'm about telling. that, though. We talked about he maybe, though, they just think maybe, like, Yarrow and them need one more year. And I think Chara just, he's still feeling good and just wants one more year. And it's just, again, one more year passed down my knowledge. But another cap crunch yeah. coming up next season. Yeah, that's what I mean. I think Hope he'll he be out next season. he sees that and says, listen, you know what? I understand your situation. I'm just going to, I'm out. I think that's what's going to happen. That'd be great. And, and I'd love that. And I think if he stays, gonna... I do understand his leadership and his role and blah, blah, blah. I get it. But I just don't want it. No, I think he's going to transition into the offices, and I think he's passing the C down to Patrice to wear for the rest of his career until he's Love done. your thinking. Love your thinking. But the other one on the defense, now that we've been talking about deep for a little while mm-hmm. now on this segment, is Matt Grizzlick. Mm. Now, what's his value going to be when he needs to be re-signed? Or is he another one that we're just going to let him walk? Because he, he is prototypically like Tory Krug, not equivalent to Tory Krug. So if you had to move somebody, crew crew takes that discount, okay? Yeah. 
then you can uh, possibly move a valued player like Grizzlick because he, he'd be pretty good on the market, I would believe. But if, if Krug has to go via okay. trade then you to keep, get an asset, you absolutely got to resign Grizzlick. You got to resign Grizz. Um, I love Grizz. Again, um, I agree with it. The thing is, a lot of the comparisons with Grizzlick and Krug, though, have nothing to do with their actual play, the way they play or the way their mind's working on the ice. I think it's a defensive transition. Yeah. I mean, I do think they're very similar, but they, it's definitely a difference in style of play between them, although they are puck-moving defensemen, and they're about, you know, same size, shape, whatever yep. kind of thing. Um, I personally would do my best, and maybe Tory Krug taking the discount is how you keep Matt Greslick as, you know, that added on. Again, we have some dead weight, not just contracts, but dead weight of yep. like almost $3 million that we are going to finally be rid of. And I personally would do my best. The two people that I absolutely do not want to give up, if we can help it, besides Tory Krug, obviously, <laughs> Grizzlick and Jake DeBrusque. Ever since even way long time ago when you're like, oh, Jake DeBrusque. And I was like, oh, my, I like this guy. I'm all in. But I also think that even if Tory Krug is willing at the end to sign a thing, you might be able to use Grizz. Say you don't want to trade Tory Krug, but you can figure out how to resign him. Grizz might be good trade deadline move, right? If you know you're not going to be able to keep him, yep. trade him and let him find a new home. And not in a no disrespect thing. You could loan him out until you figure it out and hopefully he can come back. Whatever. You could also bring that topic of discussion into Charlie Coyle. Mm-hmm. Um, you need cap space. What do you do? I mean, he he could he could bring uh, a something back. Lower lower assets, uh, you know, assets that you can plan on for the future, but nothing the right now. I mean, and it would suck. I mean, I wasn't the biggest thing fan of the trade when you know, and it wasn't nothing to do with Zanato. Let's just keep that. Nope, clear. you just weren't a Charlie Coyle. I'm person. not a Charlie Coyle fan, so. But the playoffs, oh, my God. If he brings that, this, into the regular season, I'm hooked. I'm hooked. So give me some regular season Charlie Coyle, and we'll see where we go. But if he's not producing, then there's another situation that you're like, okay, I mean, we're not going to be able to retain you. If you keep playing like this, we're going to move you. Mm. You know, don't do the hometown thing. Don't say, hey, we need you here, blah, blah, blah. You know, we're we're just going to... We're going to do it. Do it on a... On, I'm always about making a decision when somebody's at a high point. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. When they're really success. Success is really going for them really good. Grab that player. Grab that success. Get it right into a locker room and get it going. A guy that doesn't score goals in 20, 25 games goes out, gets the guy, comes in. What does he do? It's not point production. And I don't need the playoffs to wake somebody up. Okay, in one hand, it is hard to get acclimated to a whole new system and a whole new team in February. So that it's not the same as if you start at least in September at the camp with everyone Valid and work angle. your way in. Absolutely. Um, I think, and I think I said this at the time between the two of us, I think Charlie Coyle was also miserable in Minnesota. Like, I don't, sometimes it's, the player isn't being productive because something in the environment is causing them to kind of shut down a little. Because I think we would have seen a little more of him before the playoffs had Johansson not got hurt because they came in and popped off like that. Like, they were a staple thing. But I think Charlie Coyle was the best forward in the playoffs besides 
Agreed. And people are going to hate this one. Danton Heinen, I think, was one of our best forwards in the playoffs. He didn't get a lot of points, but he was doing a lot of other things. There was sometimes he A lot he of Heinen love right. going around. And, uh, well, I like Danton Heinen. I think he is the type of player that will do anything you ask him to do, and I appreciate a player like that. I don't like a diva that only – I mean, certain players, like, yeah, no one's asking Patrice Bergeron to be right wing, okay? Like, it's not happening, but – Dan Heinen knows his value and he knows his role and he does his role to the best of his ability. Some days that's a little messier than others, but other than yeah. that. But absolutely, Charlie Coyle to me was the most consistent forward on our team. So I would keep, so I, I'm with you. Like, I mean, I like him, but he doesn't have to stay here either. Like, that's fine too. But let's see what he does now that he's here to start. He's got some chemistry with the boys. Uh, and see where he goes from there. He knows the cap situation in Boston if he wants to stay here yep. or at least up his value so if he wants to try and get moved at the trade deadline, he's got to perform because he also knows there's 900 forwards back in Providence that right. can probably do his same role at this point. Not as well because he's a season, more seasoned professional, but yep. I, I want to sit and wait and see. But here's, here's my thing on this whole angle about what's going on for next season. Let's just take a big bunny hop okay. into next year this time, okay? Doodly. Well, we're going to be yeah, do the Twilight Zone. <laughs> no, no, uh, God, <laughs> I was going to. Doodly, doodly. <laughs> but my thing is, alright, is now you're thinking about all these players that have to be resigned, mm-hmm. okay? DeBrusque, Chris, like blah, blah, blah. We just talked about all these guys. Do not go out and sign the Brett Ritchies. Do not go out and sign the Parlin Holmes. Do not do the Manny, like, uh, not Manny Legacy. I always want to call him Legacy. Manny. Yeah, Maxine like McGrassy. Don't make those signings. Save that cap space. You know what I'm saying? I don't get it. Well, my thing is that those I guys. I don't know why they spent five million when they had when they knew they were in this situation. It just. Well, some of them are only one-year contracts, though. So that. But still, that's still a million dollars that could go towards Carlos right, McAvoy. Right. I get that, but at the same time. This is an indication to me that the younger guys aren't quite ready to come up. So you you might pay someone a million and a half to hang around for the season. Or oh, the other side of the coin, it's internal competition. Right. And they'll be gone, so you're not going to have to worry about that when you're coming to, like, re-sign, you know, yep. the boys next year into next summer. Um, I agree with you, wasting money, but you also have to still have the little parts to keep you moving. You know what I mean? And there has to be a reason that they would make that decision sure. more uh people with more knowledge than us have made these decisions i too am not i'm like brett richie seriously because i'd rather see yeah. you know anders bjork like it just struggle or I just, whatever i just like, fed that's into just all the all the playoff uh chatter on twitter like oh the, the bruins got pushed around so now they get Richie in there because he's got some grit to him. Well, yeah, I'm not against grit, but there's I'm a million other people who are a Brett Richie-type player, and some right. of them we're trying to develop down on. Like, if your boy Zach Seneshin's ready to come up, I'd rather have him than a Brett Richie. Right. Like, he's earned his keep. Let him see what he can do. Wow, that's like a line of beautiful rides. Yeah, man. By. God, I wish I had a Perfect Harley. Perfect day for a ride on the wish back I had a roads but, um, of New England. Yeah, so... I agree with you not, like, wasting money, but the, especially, like, the one-year deals or, like, a uh, coil when we inherited one more year, yep. that's going to go away just in time. And then you make these other contracts respective to the fact that you know you have to do the Seattle draft this year after that. Sure. So when you negotiate these contracts, 
maybe this round exposed. you won't have always, so many so many that. people that can't be exposed. So in essence, you could re-sign so-and-so. You could re-sign if you had to, say, Chris Wagner to a three-year deal. But if you could structure his contract that you can move his ass into the Seattle draft, too, and dump that salary. he And a lot of players get excited about it. Like, look at what happened in Vegas. Like, it turned out a lot of people were happy to have the new fresh opportunity. So there, some of those, um, like you were saying about Wagner, and we've talked about in the past, like those middle players that now because of the way contracts are, they're Point never going to make their money, but they're not even asking for that much. They're right. asking you for like 2.5 mil, not 9.5 right. mil, but there's no space to get them. You know, maybe you re-sign them and then you dump it, but you've maybe already talked to that player about it that we need to expose you because we already... We pretty much have to expose everyone because everyone at the at the draft, with the exception of Tory Crew, because we don't know if he'll be resigned yet, is protected. Like you can't dump him in the draft, or any of them in the draft. Patrice, all of them, they all have that. It's never going to happen in their contracts. So, I don't know. I'm not worried about these one-year deals, but at the end of this season, we have to make some decisions. We need to sign Jake DeBrusque. You know what I mean? Whatever you do with Krug, you have to do with Krug. Are any of these young kids going to actually be able to come up and be the next generation? I'm not trying to put the pressure on them, but some of them have been down there for three, four years now. It's true. And if not, if they have value, we need to move them so that we, you know, it's stupid, $700,000, but $700,000 is money that can be going towards uh, Matt Greslick's contract. You know, that's how I am in my head. I'm absolutely forgetting rid of Kevin Miller. Again, I know I don't like him, but I'm not trying to disrespect him like he's good at what he does. Right. But I can't have, even for 2.5, someone who's not going to be on the ice most of the time. And I don't want him to be hurt, and it's not his right. fault, but it's also reality. You're a professional yeah. athlete. And As if a you business, you need can't that do space. it, then you can't do it, you know? It's crazy. I don't know. We'll see what's coming up, though. It's going to be an interesting off-season next year as well. But it's almost the season now. I know. I yeah. know. 25 days away a Brandon Carlo away that would be so awesome if he signed today on his oh day oh my god we don't know maybe Monday mornings I thought that they I actually was thinking that maybe something's done and they were waiting for like on sun like today's Sunday like first thing tomorrow morning when the prospects are coming back wait they have they have one more game tomorrow right and then they come yeah, back tomorrow morning and then they fly yeah. back to Boston so for Tuesday morning we're signing either McAvoy or Carlo and or both that'd be freaking awesome man. and or Don Sweeney's gonna be like you know what fuck it I can't figure it out both of you are gonna have to go go ahead go go forth I'm just gonna have to deal with what I've got on the way here so I don't know that's really well it's anything else up no, I, I think Next week we'll talk a little bit about the Bruins milestones coming up this that's season. It. I think we talk about some training camp stuff that's mm-hmm. coming up. Maybe, yeah, we're definitely going to do a milestone. I'm, I'm going to look at the uh, internet and see what's, who's coming up for some some accomplishments, uh, yeah, games a- played, goals, assists, points, penalty minutes. Well, we'll dive into um, a lot of that. And stuff. we'll see so, what happens at camp this week. Yeah, and we'll see if and yeah, exactly. And Be- um, but. Um, it's that time to announce the winner of the uh, our Patreon member T-shirt giveaway, Black and Gold Hockey T-shirt giveaway, and that is Eric Blackie. Eric is a new Patreon member. Lucky guy signs up a week later, wins a T-shirt. Nice. You know what I mean? Eric's a good supporter. He's uh, been uh, a, my, a follower of mine for a while, and uh, I heard he's uh, really likes the program and the, uh, the the content that we put out. So. I appreciate the support, Eric, and I appreciate your contribution every week. It's uh, it's it's so, so.
so appreciative. I'm, I'm saying appreciation because I really appreciate it. Yeah. So uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, you, can, you know what to do. Heather will tell you at the outro. <laughs> but uh, Heather, again, thank you very much for joining me on this beautiful day. Alliance Park, Amesbury, Massachusetts. Gorgeous. Boats. It's, a, it's just a great fall day. You yes. know what I mean? It's just unreal. I love doing these out here. It's just, I'm in my, my sanctuary. How's that? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So anyway, we will leave you with a, a nice, I think we've got an hour and a half of content, so we will leave you with that. Thank you very much, um, and we'll, we'll be back next week. Yeah, thank you for listening. Thanks again for listening to and supporting the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please share the show with your friends and family and don't forget to subscribe to and leave a five-star rating for the show on your favorite podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Between shows, help us keep the Bruins talk going by visiting our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, by sending an email to blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com, and by following the show on Twitter at blackandgoldpod. Peace out.